coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter. I'm not hiding what I believe or what we believe. And we'll be as clear as day. What do we want? We want what Jesus wanted. We wanted everybody, everybody to follow him. Why is Jesus so controversial among Jewish people? Hello and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a ministry of the Joshua Fund. The Joshua Fund is dedicated to the blessing of Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. My name is Carl Muller, and I'm joined today by the founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, Joel Rosenberg. Joel, welcome. I'm so glad that you're able to address this topic. So, you know, let's just start with the general thing. What do Jews generally think about Jesus? Well, you know, you, it's interesting because Jesus, of course, was Jewish, uh, born and raised here in the land of Israel, um, lived and ministered in the Galilee region up in the north of Israel, uh, certainly came to Jerusalem, not, not often, didn't like to spend time here. Uh, got his most controversial moments were here in Jerusalem, where I have the joy of, of and honor of living now. But, you know, there's the famous verse in the New Testament, uh, he, Jesus, came to his own, his own received him not. And that has been the, 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 the sort of the struggle between the Jewish people overall and Jesus and, and followers of Jesus for 2,000 years. Now, to be fair, um, there were many Gentile Christians over the last 2,000 years of church history that have tried to force Jesus down the throats or into the hearts, let's say, of the Jewish people. And so there's a lot of pushback. Some of that, which is brutal, uh, cruel, unkind inquisitions and mm. crusades and so forth. But even today, you know, it's a hugely controversial topic and one that most Jewish people like to avoid. But it's interesting, uh, there was a magazine article a few years back in Commentary Magazine. Now, Commentary is a journal of the American Jewish Committee, so, you know, pretty Jewish, and they're dealing with topics from a Jewish perspective. And they ran a symposium of American Jewish leaders, rabbis, thinkers, writers, uh, best-selling authors, all kinds of people from all over, all over the, every perspective. And the symposium was, what do American Jewish people believe? Okay, it seemed reasonable. Uh, <laughs> it, the editors noted this after getting all these responses, and they printed, I, I don't know, 50 or 70, I can't remember exactly. But they wrote that whatever else American Jews may believe in, it is doubtful that the majority of them believe in Judaism. That wow. is... That at least is what the surveys suggest, as do low rates of synagogue attendance, uh, membership, on the one hand, and high rates of intermarriage with Gentiles, on the other hand. And so they try to drill down and say, okay, well, what are the commonalities? And it's a fascinating uh, series of essays, but the most interesting one to me was this from Michael Medved, who's Jewish, sure. uh, best-selling author, mm -hmm. uh, movie critic, uh, wonderful guy. And he made this really insightful point, and he's dead on accurate. Quote, the chief distinguishing characteristic of most American Jews is not what they believe, but what they do not believe. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, period, end of sentence, end of story, unquote. Mm. This was Medved's assessment. You can, you can ask people all that they believe, uh, religious leaders, academics, 
writers, movie stars, whatever, they don't know. They, they can't come to one conclusion except that Jesus is not the Messiah. Now, he goes on one other thing. Tragically, for all too many members of today's Jewish community, this rejection marks the sum total of their theological commitment. Hmm. The beginning and end of their ideological identity as adherence to what is still misleadingly described as the Jewish faith. Mm. Now, that was Medved's assessment, and that was 1996. And I can tell you, all these many you know decades later, that's still true. Okay, so overall, it, there's a very hostile relationship. Jesus is not the Messiah, and you can't convince me, and I don't even want to hear it. That being said something that has changed in the last 30, 40 years is a dramatic growth of warming between Jewish people generally and the evangelical Christian community. Sure. The Jews don't want to hear the gospel presented the case that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, mm-hmm. but they do like the fact that evangelicals love Jews so much and stand with Israel and and are you know so strongly against anti-Semitism and so forth. And you even have now a phrase that's very widespread through the Jewish community over the last 50 years, but I've heard it more in the last 10 or 15 years, which is if you get into a conversation at all about Jesus, people say, listen, you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that the Messiah hasn't come yet. Look, when the Messiah comes, we'll just ask him, have you been here before? (laughs) Now, that's funny and, and classically Jewish in that sense. But it's also um, telling because it's it's a line, a quip designed to de-escalate what used to be a high point of tension between Gentile Christians and Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus. You know, so rather than getting a big fight over, say, eh, you know, just we'll ask him when we get when he gets here. <laughs> you know, have you been here before? And I think that those are cross trends: uh, rejection of Jesus, but mm-hmm. also. And, and not a desire to talk much about him generally, but also a warmth to evangelicals who have shown tremendous love uh, for the Jewish people and for Israel in particular. Fascinating. Well, Joel, you you live in Jerusalem. You live in Israel, uh, where most of our listeners, many of our listeners are here in the United States and North America. Are there any differences in the Jewish community's view between the U.S. And Israel. I mean, uh, do you see differences from where you are now, having come from the U.S. to Israel? Sure. Well, Carl, uh, there's no question that in the United States, the vast majority of Jewish people in the Jewish community are secular or trending secular. They may be semi-traditional. They may uh, celebrate Passover in some way. They may celebrate Hanukkah. They may wear a Jewish star or, or something, but they tend almost overwhelmingly not to be part of a synagogue, not to read the Bible, not to believe in the basic tenets of the Jewish faith, which is the Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures teachings of Moses and the prophets. Uh, whereas here in Israel, secularism is growing, but there's a much higher degree of orthodox and ultra-orthodox Jewish practice hmm. against the it's still the minority maybe 20% of the whole population but stronger and, and sort of more vocal and and more political uh, than in the United States but there is a, there is some interesting polling um, yeah just as an, a couple of examples I mean there's a lot but just as an example 
American Jews, only 34%, one in three American Jews, say that they are absolutely certain that God even exists. <laughs> what? Like, think about that. Two-thirds of, of American Jewish people don't even, maybe would be defined as some form of agnostic. Yeah, agnostic or atheist or hard atheist. I mean, it's it's a, a spectrum, but but only 34% would say they're absolutely certain. Where do we even get our identity as Jewish people except for our belief in the God of Israel who chose us and you know made us a people and gave us his word? So that's interesting. Now, that compares with, in Israel, 50% of Israeli Jews say they're absolutely certain. Now, that's still, I would say, not good <laughs> if half of the Jewish people in the land of Israel aren't sure that God even exists. Wow. But it is significantly higher. It's basically 50% more than American Jews. But that still only gets us to 50%. So that's one area. But here's a few others. And American Jews, for example, only 37% of American Jews uh, say that they believe that the Bible, and they, by this they mean the Old Testament scriptures, are the word of God. Mm. One in three. Only 38% of American Jews believe there's a literal heaven where people can spend eternity. And only 22% believe that there's a literal hell. Hmm. Uh, so that's interesting, too. Uh, only 25% of American Jews, one in four, believe that an individual can have a personal relationship with God. And only 14% of American Jews say they read the Bible on their own. Hmm. Uh, so those trends tell us a lot that the American Jewish community, which was very religious and very focused on the Torah, uh, the, the, the five books of Moses in the 1800s, early 1900s. The generation of Orthodox Jews that mm -hmm. settled in America came from Eastern Europe, mostly Central Europe. My grandparents and great-grandparents included, they were Orthodox Jews escaping out of Russia. They were very devout now, they certainly didn't believe in Jesus, and they didn't want to talk about that. But in terms of if you ask them, does God exist, we say, absolutely. Sure. Uh, if they ask them, do you read the Torah? The, of course, the answer was yes, and so forth. Uh, but my dad is a bit of a, you know, I won't get into his whole story right now, but just he had a very bad experience growing up in that Orthodox community. His, and his grandfather was a, was a black hat, ultra-Orthodox Jewish mm. uh, man. But my father eventually became an agnostic and then a follower of Jesus. So yeah. <laughs> that shows in just one generation or maybe yeah. two quite a drift. And I think most American Jews, you just say, well, they just don't know what they believe, but they are pretty sure they don't believe what the Jewish scriptures teach. What do you think the direction is for those that do take the scripture seriously in Israel? Overall, this would be the ultra-Orthodox community, people who say that they're studying Torah. Mm -hmm. That's the phrase, we study Torah. In fact, many men, many fathers in this country don't work. This is their mission, and they actually get a stipend from the government mm. if they are a part of a yeshiva or we would probably say a Bible college or a seminary, but this would be a very specific uh, you know, Jewish Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox, usually, you know, Bible training center. but And so they're studying Torah. That means they're studying the five books of Moses. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're studying the Tanakh. The Tanakh is the Torah, but also the prophets, 
and the different writings of the Psalms and the Proverbs and Lamentations and so forth. So that's interesting. They're not even dealing with Bible prophecy except for the prophecies that Moses wrote about. So, and then even within that, how many are actually studying the Bible every day in these yeshivas or are they mostly reading the commentaries by very famous rabbis all throughout the centuries? And there'd be a high percentage of people who are mostly studying commentaries and feel like you can't just open up a Bible, read it for yourself. Now, I will say that President uh, Ruby Rivlin, who is uh, just winding up uh, in the summer of 2021, a seven-year term as the president, but he, over the last seven years, has really been encouraging Israelis to read the Bible. There are 929 chapters in the Hebrew Bible, and so he's got something called Project 929. I don't think he started it, but he's been very supportive of it, and he, every month, he gathers some rabbis and other people interested in the Bible, and they study a chapter or two of, of the Bible, usually one, as part of trying to encourage and set a good example for. So that's interesting, right? Again, for Christians who are listening to this, particularly evangelicals in North America or around the world, the Bible is so central to our understanding of what it means to get to know God. Who is God? Who are we? Mm-hmm. How do we interact with him? How do we know him? How do we please him? How do we not please him? How do we get forgiveness when we displease him? The Bible, our Bible reading our in weekly or for many evangelicals daily, it seems foreign to think that there would be, of the Jewish people, people who really don't read the Bible. And I will say that even when my father came to faith in Jesus back in 1973, a few years later, we were in a small little community Bible church in upstate New York. And one of the elders said, hey, Len, you're Jewish, right? Now, when a Gentile asks a Jewish person... <laughs> at least from Brooklyn, uh, if they're Jewish, sort of my father's defenses went up. Mm, yeah. He said, so that means you know the Bible, right? <laughs> He's like, mm, why do you ask? <laughs> There's a very common expectation among evangelicals that Jews know the Bible sure. because they're the people of the book. They're the people that gave us the scriptures. My father was like, well, why do you ask? And he said, because we've got a sixth grade Sunday school class opening up and these are all Old Testament Bible stories. And we thought maybe you'd like to teach that. And he thought, well, I probably know those stories better than the kids. Oh, okay, sure. But uh, yeah, those are some common misperceptions of American Jews who mostly do not know the Bible. And even Israelis, some are so secularized. I was having lunch with a senior advisor to a very senior Israeli cabinet official. And I was talking a little bit about a Bible story that was pretty famous. I won't get into that story right now, but she's like, I'm not sure what you mean. Wow. And I said, you know, well, when, when this happened and this happened, she's like, and I thought she was kidding. I mean, I, I actually thought she was just joking and teasing me. I'm like, you know, she's like, no, I really, I grew up in a totally atheist family, wow. totally secular. I have no idea what you're talking about. Wow. And um, so we had a good conversation about it. But, <laughs> you know, you think, again, even me, as much as I study sure. this, to write about it, speak about it, answer your questions about it, I was still caught off guard that someone that deep, that high up in the Israeli government was just didn't know some of the basic stories of the Hebrew Bible. And that's fascinating, you know, but unfortunately, and in some ways, it's not all that uncommon among Christians or Muslims in my experience as well. There are many in the religious communities around the world, and I'm sure it's the same in Judaism, 
that believe or follow the traditions of their religion, but don't study or really undertake a personal engagement with the texts. And, you know, it's a sort of a pet project of mine to compare Islam, Christianity, and Judaism when it comes to how closely do they follow the teachings of their holy book. And it'd be a fascinating subject. I hope we can uh, get into that in the second half. We're going to take a quick break here to highlight some of our sponsors. Hi, this is Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund. I don't know about you, but I love to have someone to talk to after I've learned something new. If you're the same, share this podcast with a friend or family member and discuss together the many ways God is moving in the epicenter. From all of us at Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, thank you. Well, we're back Joel, we want to talk a little bit about this movement, this direction of perception of Jesus among the Jewish people. You know, some of the trends, some of the statistics you quoted before were just pretty shocking as far as the agnosticism, the basic agnosticism and of the Jewish people. But do you see any trends or directions in what's happening now? Just maybe not statistically, but socially, or maybe some of the stories of that? Yeah, and, and I've, I've written about this a little bit on my blog. I think actually we should do a, an article for the Joshua newsletter on this. It's, it is very interesting. There, there is a, um, I would say, a rediscovery going among a swath of at least American Judaism to embrace that Jesus was Jewish, that he was a rabbi, that he was a good moral teacher. He's not the Messiah, they would say, but we ought to rediscover him and, and embrace him as our own. We've sort of rejected Jesus because so much of Christian history was so hostile to us. We thought, how could the founder of a religion that's so hostile to us, how could he possibly be Jewish? But so, for example, a few years ago, some scholars came out with the Jewish annotated New Testament. Mm. And so it's a New Testament, but it's got notes from Jewish scholars who don't believe in the New Testament, don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but and, and I wouldn't say they're trying in every note to, to disprove it. They're just saying this is interesting historically because, because, for example, we only know about Hanukkah, December, you know, winter Festival holiday of, of Hanukkah, which is so central to Jewish life, is never mentioned in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. The only mention of it in a Bible is in the New Testament because Jesus came to Jerusalem and was part of the Feast of Dedication, which is where we get the, the name Hanukkah. So it's interesting. So you have Jewish scholars going and discovering first century life of Jewish communities here in Israel, what the Romans called Palestine, because there aren't that many writings. There, there, of course, the writings of uh, Flavius Josephus, a Jewish Roman historian, mm -hmm. which is, and those are fascinating, but some of the most interesting and rich pieces of Jewish history from the last time that Jewish people were in the land before a million Jews were murdered by the Romans and then the rest, almost everybody else was kicked out and exiled around the world, comes from the New Testament. Yeah. And then you also meet Jewish diaspora communities all throughout 
Africa and Europe and Asia, you know, uh, Turkey mostly, because of the New Testament, because mm. of the epistles. So, and, and the Apostle Paul's speaking and writing to those communities. So that was one that I thought was interesting. I had some interaction with uh, one of the scholars that was in charge of that project a few years back. I think she was from the University of North Carolina. There was another book uh, a few years ago called Kosher Jesus. <laughs> now, Kosher Jesus was written by probably the most famous rabbi in the United States. His name is Rabbi Shmuley Boteak. And he's based in New Jersey and is just, you know, sort of a, almost, I would say he's a celebrity in the Jewish world and certainly knows all the major Jewish players and Orthodox himself. Um, has written a number of different books. But Kosher Jesus really created a brouhaha because he was saying, listen, Jesus himself is kosher. What his disciples taught, mm. mainly the attack goes against the Apostle Paul. There's the view, certainly by Rabbi Boteach, but many others throughout history, that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah, and his disciples never claimed it either. That didn't really come until the Apostle Paul decided to create a new religion. Mm -hmm. And then sort of he's the bad guy, and, and this is sort of reclaims Jesus for the Jewish people and encourages Jewish people, you should read the New Testament. You should, uh, mm. you should study the life of Jesus. You should, you know, you got to sift through what's true and what isn't. But this is, this is important for us, in part because it teaches us about our Jewish history, the rabbi said, wrote, but also because it helps us understand our Gentile, dominantly Christian world. You know, if there's 2.2 billion Christians in the world, we probably ought to know what they think. That type of thinking is, there's more and more of it. Yeah. And it comes, in my view, from a warming between the Christian communities in North America, particularly, and the Jewish community, that we believe different things mm -hmm. about Jesus, but we don't want to be hostile towards you. And the Jewish community, in many ways, is responding, at least at the leadership level, and beginning to explore and encourage the Jewish community itself to explore the New Testament. So... Things like that I find fascinating. Well, it's funny. I'll tell a quick story myself here. Uh, when I first came to True Faith in college at a major state university, I thought naively that I should take a course on the Gospels. So I took, you know, in the religion department of this major state university in the U.S. and had a sat in a class of about 30 students. This is my senior year in college. And the professor said, I love Jesus. She said, Jesus is the most compelling figure in human history. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is great. <laughs> and you found she, your spot. I found my tribe. And then she says, I'm Jewish, but I love the way Jesus teaches and the way he... And she began to go through the Gospels and we unpacked all of the parables of Jesus, all of the means of his teaching. She brought in a lot of richness, but the reality was, Joel, and it was fascinating to me, and it still is fascinating to me, that she had no desire at a personal level to come into a faith with Jesus Christ. The Savior, she saw him as a Jewish rabbi teacher. So I think that's a well, fascinating so, so this reality. is interesting, Carl, for lots of reasons, but in part because that's, you know, several decades ago. So that's an even earlier 
you know, one of these early indicators of what was going on. There was a lot of curiosity in the, starting in the early 70s, what was, became known as the Jesus movement. That's the period of time when my father came to faith in Jesus. But even the willingness just to listen, just to be aware of, to, to pick up a New Testament and just read it. And what's interesting is that the Jewish community now that doesn't, or at least the academic and and maybe the at the rabbinical level, you have people say, encouraging, this is okay, it's kosher to study kosher Jesus. He's he's cool. Christianity is not so cool. Messianic Judaism not so cool. But but Jesus is kosher. That's a big message from the sure. the leader. Uh, you know, one of the you know, maybe the top leader, arguably, of American Judaism. But it also raises something interesting from the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, which is he said that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Messiah, by the word of Christ. So. My experience is that most Jewish people who are rejecting faith in Jesus aren't actually rejecting Jesus. They're not even rejecting the gospel message. They're rejecting the history of Christianity mm. such as they know it, which were there were some really horrible seasons in which people who didn't really believe in Jesus but said they did and couldn't possibly have believed in Jesus if they were treating Jewish people so horribly. But this is what most Jewish people are rejecting. And I just think it's interesting that you've got this unique moment where there is some degree of civility now between the Jewish communities around the world and particularly in North America and evangelicals. Though, though, I would note that in the United States, because the American Jewish community is so secular and it's so tied into American far-left liberalism, Hmm. that American evangelicals' conservative views about marriage or the right of a baby to be, you know, come to term and and be born and have life, and some of these type of what we call politically social issues, there's actually a huge divide, and that it creates new levels of suspicion and animosity between the American Jewish community and the American evangelical community, whereas in Israel... Where Amer- I'm sorry, Israeli Jews have so much less interaction with Christians because there are just fewer of us here. The word evangelical, as I, we've mentioned in previous podcasts, is actually a very strong, positive brand. Not because they everybody knows an evangelical, but because they keep seeing busloads of evangelicals and pastors and conferences. And who are these people who, <laughs> even during suicide bombings and intifadas? Mm-hmm. It worse. They just keep coming. They just seem to love us. Well, who are these people? They seem nice. So there's a lot of a lot of cross currents. Um, yeah. Yes, but Jesus will remain controversial in the Jewish world, but maybe less so than ever. And I'll, you know, maybe I don't know how much time we have, but I'll just say this statistic, which is interesting. Lifeway Research, the research arm of the Southern Baptist, did a survey a few years ago, and they have found that of the nearly 60 million American evangelicals, 871,000 are Jewish. Mm. 871,000 people who Mm. believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Bible is the word of God and our highest priority and all these things that we described in, I think, our first podcast, what is an evangelical, 871,000 say they have Jewish parents and grandparents. So that tells us that there's an extraordinary interest and that Paul was right. Faith does come by hearing. And it doesn't mean Mm. that every person who reads the Bible 
or spends time with people who believe in the Bible and show the love of Christ and their own personal life and character are necessarily going to come to faith in Jesus, but almost a million have. And that's the highest number just in America alone. Worldwide, we have almost a million Jewish people in the world who believe in Jesus. That's the highest number in the history of the world. Interesting. So Jesus may be controversial, but Jewish people are finding they're either curious about him, they're willing to call him kosher, but not for us. But a million have said, no, he's, he is who he claimed to be. He is the Jewish Messiah. And this, every one of these pieces is, is something that most, you know, you don't hear this on, you know, in the nightly news or <laughs> even most Christian media. And, and that's one of the reasons I like doing this podcast with you is we have a chance to sort of smoke out some things that most people don't know. Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's such a refreshing thing to hear you describe how this is taking place right now in the hearts of many as this movement to appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done. I'm fascinated. You know, we have just a few minutes left, Joel. I would love for you to talk about what the implications might be for the work of, say, the Joshua Fund, um, recognizing some of these things in Israel and our desire as the Joshua Fund to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. How does that come together as we're you know, talking about the way the Jewish people in Israel and North America uh, view Jesus? Well, I think uh, there's several things. First is Jesus commands us to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothes for those who don't have them, um, you know, visit those who are in prison, you know, care for those who are sick. This was, uh, he, he, he not only modeled that throughout the Gospels, but in Matthew 25, as just one example, he said, that, you know, this is what he expects of us. And that comes out of actually the Hebrew scriptures where the God of Israel was telling the Jewish people, I want you to feed the hungry and care for the sick and, you know, release the prisoners and, and you know, and bind up the brokenhearted. This permeates the Torah, the five books of Moses, but also the prophets and the Psalms and Proverbs and so forth. And so Jesus was fulfilling it. He didn't come to abolish all those things. He was, he was doing it. And he expects, he commands, and he certainly invites those of us who believe in Jesus to live that way. And so I think evangelicals struggle with some polar opposites. On the one hand, they may be so excited about the gospel, which we should be, that they just want to talk about and try to get people to believe in Jesus, and they don't really want to talk about anything else. Well, it, it, praise God that there are people who want to talk about Jesus, including with Jewish people. But Jewish people have a lot of barriers between here and there that at least have to be acknowledged. You know, I'm not saying don't talk about Jesus, but you know, often I think we need to show the love of Christ mm -hmm. to people unconditionally. Like we love you, and we want to be a blessing to you and your community whether you end up believing in Jesus or not. Don't get us wrong. We want you to be part of the team. We want you to listen, and, and we want you to say yes, but we want to love you no matter what. That's sort of one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum would be we don't, you know, people who just don't care at all about Jewish people or the threats against Israel or the you know, anti-Semitism, and they just, they just ignore it completely. And it's hard for a Jewish person to think that a Christian who acts that way, lives that way, thinks that way, could somehow be connected to a Messiah who's Jewish. 
you know, that's inconceivable. Mm-hmm. And those two spectrums, I think, are part of what the Joshua Fund needs to be part of just leading differently, right? Yeah. Not berating everybody for what they're doing, but just say, you know, Jesus said, follow me. And so what we're trying to do is just set the right example. Certainly educating by a podcast like this, uh, epicenter conferences and things that we've done all over the world uh, right now, a little tough to do because of COVID, but is to educate and to show people what does God say? What does he want? What pleases him? And then how are we doing it? And maybe you want to get involved, right? Mm-hmm. Prayerfully, uh, come on a trip, uh, pre- uh, financially, what have you. And, and be aware of ways to be a blessing. And I think that's one of the main things that we should be doing. And I think, you know, and I'm grateful that you're on board as executive director, because I think you've been able to help us really focus even more in a time when it's been the most challenging, right? You can't go to your neighbor. You can't travel. You, you haven't even, as we record this, you haven't even been to Israel in the role of executive director of the Joshua Fund. Yeah. (laughs) But you launched a podcast and you're, you're seeing Mm -hmm. the Joshua Fund do a lot of wonderful work even in you know, this it, COVID era, and hopefully we're coming out of it eventually. You know. Yeah, pray. <laughs> I feel like it's so true, Joel, and uh, there's a longing in my heart to walk into your living room there and to just embrace oh, you guys. You. <laughs> and it would be great, but it's been so difficult. Uh, you know, one thing you mentioned, and I think that it's so important for us to continually come back to this about the Joshua Fund, and that is we are there to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. That isn't an agenda outside of that. And what I really think is really super important about this is that throughout the history of the church, it's where the church has lived and acted and worked like Jesus among Jews and Gentiles and others. It has been the most attractive. Jesus is the most attractive when his followers act like him. And when we try to force or coerce or manipulate or do things that give a bad taste in everyone's mouth about who Jesus is, is that the church becomes ineffective. And I'm so thrilled that your viewpoint on this is so in line with the character and nature of Jesus. I I think that is what comes so clearly across, is that we want to serve. We want to be a blessing. And when we do that, bringing a cup of cold water to those that are on a hot day in the hot sun of a life without hope, that is the gospel. And that is the way Jesus would would have us work. And it leads to maybe this last point that I'd like to emphasize, which is this this point about unconditional love. Mm. Jewish people, like really anybody else in the world, they don't want to be targeted. And you have within... um, Christian missiology, missions-minded uh, teachings, and it comes from a, a good heart, it, but people have to remember what, that language strikes people who don't believe in Jesus very differently than people who are in the inner circle of academia or, or, or missions or whatever. When you say we're going to target the Muslims, we're going to target the Jews, what other, where, where does that word come from except from target practice? Like we, targeting is usually not a good thing. You don't want to be targeted. Right? The famous Far Side cartoon is my, my favorite of the, you know, the old 1980s uh, Gary Larson cartoons. Right? The two deer in the forest and one has a big bullseye on its chest 
And the one without the bullseye says to the one with the bullseye, hey, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. Right? That's what it feels like to be Jewish in this world. And when a Christian, and that's from the perspective of radical Islamists or whatever, trying to target us and literally kill us. But many Jewish people fear, with some degree of historic credibility, that Christians are targeting their souls. And that is not something that anybody wants. And so if it's good news, why is it so, you know, so we have to be careful with our language. And we also need to understand what unconditional love is. And I and just wrap up with this point, And that is when Jesus healed the 10 lepers, how many of them came back to say, oh, wow, you're actually the Messiah. You are the son of God. I'm going to bow down and worship you. Only one of the 10. He still healed them all. Mm-hmm. When Jesus fed the 5,000 men, in addition to women and children that were up on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee in one session, but 4,000 plus in another session, he fed everybody. He didn't say, listen, if you're going to follow me as the Messiah and worship me and serve me forever, get in this line. You get your chow. But if you're not going to follow me, then, you know, good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that. Go find food on your own in a, you know, in a country that didn't have any McDonald's or Chick-fil-A's and certainly no Red Lobster or <laughs> pork barbecues, right? So, like, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to feed you, but only if you believe in me. Yeah. Now, did he want people to believe in him? Absolutely. Like, and so when people say, Joel, you, the Joshua Fund and you guys, you're just, you're just using this the, the humanitarian relief and these types of good works to either to grant, you know, self-aggrandize your, you know, your own, what you're doing, or to lure us into something. I said, no, we're not. It's unconditional. We care for people with food and other humanitarian relief supplies. And we're open about what we believe, but we will bless you. We will love you because we really love you. And we're following the pattern of Jesus. Love people. Not everybody followed him. Even people who believed in him didn't follow him. The, The rich young ruler comes and he basically has this whole conversation with Jesus. And Jesus moved. Like this guy gets it. He gets who I am. He gets what I'm asking of him. And he says, go sell everything and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Because that was the obstacle in that man's life to follow. And the man's like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I know who you are. I'm very excited about it, but I'm not doing that. Hmm. So we're not even talking about people who just who don't see it, don't believe it, don't agree with it. But there, you can believe it and go, but I'm not doing that for a wide range of reasons. And so anyway, that's a little longer than I intended, but... I think that's important, and I've had a lot of conversations with rabbis and others who have been pressing me on this, and I said, no, I get your concerns. I'm not hiding what I believe or what we believe, and we'll be as clear as day. What do we want? We want what Jesus wanted. We wanted everybody everybody to follow him, but we can walk and chew gum at the same time, and we love you because Jesus loved people, and he didn't make people follow him. He invited people to follow him, so... Boy, Joel, that is so compelling, you know, that we love unconditionally because he first loved us unconditionally. And the love of people shown unconditionally is the best way to show our love for God as well. And I'm so excited that you articulate this for our listeners. And I want to thank you for spending time with us. I know uh, 
many time zones different from the United States to Israel, but uh, you always bring us right where we need to be. And I'm so grateful for the way in which you've been able to articulate this unique place for the Joshua Fund and for the work that we do to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. You know, to our listeners, if you found this podcast valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Uh, We want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about on the show? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? There's lots that we can cover. There's so much richness to the work that God is doing in this part of the world. But uh, we would urge you, if you want to get in touch with us, go to joshuafund.com and click on the Contact Us. Feedback from you is incredibly valuable for us to continue this podcast. And, and we only exist to glorify Jesus and to serve the needs of his people. So thanks again, Joel, for your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. On behalf of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, my name is Carl Muller. Thank you for listening. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.